Well, I want to begin this morning by, by saying this. Um, it's been an interesting week. Um, there is certainly a lot, of, a lot of tension in our nation. And I want to remind us, just a reminder of, of who we are. We are Christ's bride. We are the church. And I want to make sure that we represent ourselves like the church. Um, this is a, a, not my opinion. This is what Scripture says, that Christians um, choose life from the womb to the tomb. Um, that, we, that we are appreciative of all that God has created. But I believe this. God has placed us here for such a time as this um, to minister to those around us. And I think in the future we are going to have incredible ministry opportunities. And I look forward to what that means for us as a church. Now, let me begin this morning with a, with a story. When our daughter Hadley first got sick, and I know I talk about Hadley a lot, but it was a big event in my life, and so it kind of colors some things for me, and I learned a lot of lessons through it. But when she first got sick, we landed in the, in the PICU for, we were in the PICU for, I don't know, right, right at a week, and she was so very, very sick. Um, it was unrelenting. Um, it was sort of every minute. We didn't know what was going to happen the next minute. And so uh, you're in the PICU for a week. There was Hadley's bed, and there was Originally, there was one chair, but we managed to drag another one in there. It was real cramped and tight. And uh, Devin and I were kind of to the place where we felt like we couldn't leave her, her bedside because that's kind of how touch and go it was for five or seven days. And, uh, but we quickly discovered that you have to have sleep as well. And so we would take shifts. Um, sometimes you might find us sleeping in a booth in the cafeteria you might find us sleeping on a bench out in a lobby. Every now and then the Ronald McDonald house would let us have a room, but they kind of rotate people through and we'd get a better night's rest there. But we figured out we had to do this in shifts. And so Devin is one of those crazy people that likes to get up early and drink coffee and just take on the morning. And so she would get the shifts from about 6 a.m. to, you know, about 10 or 11 o'clock. And I would get the late night shift because I've always been a night owl. And I can remember one particular night and Hadley was in bed her breathing was erratic her heart rate was all over the place and it was just me in my chair and it was Hadley in her bed of course she's a little bitty girl at this time about four years old four or five and I was watching this monitor of her blood pressure monitoring her breathing my eyes were glued to it well, right beside that uh, Alice in Wonderland was playing on a tiny tiny tv and I've always hated that movie, by the way. I hate it even more now. But that was all that was on. It's Alice in Wonderland or infomercial. So I'm watching the monitor, and I'm watching Alice in Wonderland, and I'm keeping an eye on Hadley. Well, this particular night, man, I can remember it's me by myself. It was about 2 a.m. I had been on shift for several hours. And I can remember thinking, Josh, all you have to do is just wait for, wait for the light. Wait for daylight to dawn and you and Devin can, can swap out. You just have to get through the night. But the minutes felt like literal hours. Now, I tell you that story to say this because here's what, I, here's what I know in fact. Everybody has nights like that sometimes where you're just kind of waiting on every second and you're just waiting for daylight to dawn. Uh, and, and sometimes we have seasons like that where we sort of feel like we are just engulfed in this, this darkness, not like a spiritual darkness, but just a difficulty, an emotional struggle, sadness, um, grief, depression, all just kind of press in on us. Everyone has those nights where you're just kind of waiting for daylight. And I think it's important for us to know this, that no one's life is completely fine. Because everyone's life is full of tragedy. Everyone has long nights where we are just trying to press on 
and find the light. No matter how hard we try, no matter how spiritually mature we are, everybody has these moments where life kind of becomes dark and difficult. And these moments can't be vanquished. We have to be able to travel through those moments. And so over the last several weeks, we've been in a series called Traveling Light. And we've said this, that everybody has this this suitcase that we roll or drag or we carry it through life. And sometimes it gets full of different things. Not that we necessarily want those things. Sometimes we welcome things into our suitcase that shouldn't be there. But those could be many, many different things. We've talked about dealing with your past hurts because sometimes hurts get lodged in our bag and we just carry them with us. We've talked about anxiety and worry, something that's really prevalent in our world today because there's a lot to be worried about, if you will. But it could also be that there's people-pleasing stuffed in our bag. It could be that there's addiction or poor coping skills. We could think of all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups to have stuffed in our bag. Everyone has a suitcase. So can we ask together collectively, what is in our bag that needs to be unpacked? And here's the amazing thing about Christianity is there's this process called sanctification where where God himself will sit down with us and work with us in conjunction, us and he, and work to unpack our suitcase if we'll let him. Because I believe this, that we were designed, we were made to travel, that we weren't meant to carry all this junk with us through life. Now, we began this series in conjunction with the beginning of a ministry, Celebrate Recovery. They just had their first night and had an incredible night. Now, you say, what's Celebrate Recovery? Well, it meets every Tuesday night, um, rain or shine, even if it's on Christmas or Christmas Eve, they're meeting on Tuesday night from 6 to 8.30 p.m., and it's a place to be with others as we work to unpack our suitcases. Now, this morning, together, we are going to talk about unpacking depression. And maybe you say, well, that's a weird thing to talk about in church. And you know what? Maybe it is. But here's what I think. I think that Christianity is holistic. That is to say, the Bible has something to say about every area of our lives. And I've often noticed that some things don't get talked about in church very often. And I think God would have us talk about all things. Because sometimes life isn't going that great. Sometimes we have seasons where we have to just kind of wait through the night and we're praying for the light the next day. Sometimes life is painful and difficult. So this morning we're going to talk about unpacking depression. Now let's begin here, let's define our terms. What is depression? Now for many of us, I don't even know that I have to define it, you could say that has been a huge part of my life and you know exactly what it is. But it could be multiple factors here it could be sadness could be emptiness it could be feeling like you're not able to have a good time to enjoy the things that you used to enjoy could be a constant feeling of being tired or feelings of worthlessness or hopelessness might be a lot of anger there now if we were honest and I don't want you to raise your hand um, if we were honest how many of us have had these seasons where we've dealt with sadness and a lack of desire to just enjoy life or feelings of worthlessness. I'll be honest with you, church, in our society, depression is a problem. Let me give you some statistics. You probably expected that. An estimated 21 million adults in the United States had at least one major depressive episode within a year. And that number represents 8.4% of all adults. Now, when you look at adolescents, ages 12 to 17, 4.1 million adolescents 
had a major depressive episode within a year, and that number is about 17% of the U.S. population of adolescents. Depression is on the rise in our country. From the time that I looked at these statistics for this message, from the last time that I've looked at them, um, it's going up an intense amount, uh, which is a problem. In fact, it is one of the biggest health concerns. You heard that right, health concerns in our country. Now, often depression is misunderstood by well-meaning Christians, and I've heard this before, where one Christian tells another Christian, oh, you're depressed? Yeah, I'm having a difficult time. Well, why don't you just be happy? (laughs) Ding! Problem solved. I'm just going to be happy and everything is good. Now, thank you so much for that amazing insight. Now, most people, if they could, quote-unquote, just be happy, I tend to think they probably would. But there are other factors that go into this as well. Now, I will say this is an interesting tidbit. There are some people that want to be sick or depressed or struggle with something. And sometimes people get things out of that. And so it's a part of their life. It's not a good part of their life. There are other better ways to get your needs met. But some people sort of gravitate to that. But what's interesting to me And sad as well when it comes to depression is most people don't seek help when they feel depressed. Now, why might that be? Why might people not seek help and try to deal with their depression themselves? One thing I I often think is this. We have this tendency as people to think that what we struggle with, nobody else struggles with. This is my burden. Nobody else can know how I feel. You know, there's something just different about me and we feel the shame or maybe we just feel weird or that other people are judging us. But can I remind you of this? Everybody has their stuff. Me and you included. Everybody has their stuff. And I wonder, and we'll get to this some today, maybe if we actually talked about some of our stuff, maybe things might get a little bit better for us. Another problem is people at church don't really talk about depression that much. It's sort of one of those topics that you don't really want to, want to talk about. A lot of people don't want to broach. Um, and maybe they're scared to or Maybe they just don't understand it. But again, I believe this. The Bible is holistic. And it tells us to talk about all areas of our lives. And this is the amazing thing about God is any area of our life that is having a difficulty, God is willing to come in and to work in our lives. Now, We've talked about what depression is. Let's look at this. Is there, do we see depression within the pages of Scripture? Do we find this within the Bible? Let me be honest with you, church. The Bible is a book full of wisdom, full of truth, but also full of characters as well. Characters that walked and lived in the same way that we do. And when you look into the lives of those characters, I'm reminded that they're just as messed up as I am that they also have their problems. And so certainly in Scripture, we see various characters that struggled with sadness and sort of a dark night of the soul and depression and feelings of worthlessness. The Psalms are full of this stuff. Now, they're also full of praises and reaching out to God, but they're also full of depression. Let me share two with you. David writes this, Psalm 13, 1 through 2. You can sort of feel it in in the words. He says, "'How long, Lord, will you forget me forever?' How long will you hide your face from me? I've been there. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrows in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You see David at several points in his life sort of battling what I would call depression. Let me read another psalm from you. This is is Psalm 69, 1 through 4. David writes, he says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there's no foothold. 
I've come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me. Orange knows something about that. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fell looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. Now, you can see the, the, the sadness, the difficulty, the struggle in David's words as he writes those. But I want to remind you of this. What else does Scripture say about David? Well, it reminds us of this, that although he was a flawed man like we all are, that David was a man after God's own heart. If David can struggle here, any of us can struggle here. But David uh, wasn't the only one. Uh, you could look at the writings of his son Solomon. Amazing man, brilliant, had more money than all of us collectively in this room together. If he wanted to do it, he tried it, um, was a man of wisdom. Ecclesiastes, the book he wrote, is a major ride of depression. He says at the very, coming out of the gate, everything is meaningless. Life is meaningless. I've tried it all. Nothing stacked up. Everything is utterly meaningless. Now we could look at other characters. We could look at Job. If you read that book, you see that Job is in a very dire, difficult place. We could look at Jeremiah. We could look at Elijah, where he doubts God's provision, and he is incredibly depressed. Even Jesus dealt with sadness. I remember the scene where Jesus tells his disciples, you know, everybody else is leaving. You guys going to leave me now too? This feeling of abandonment. Think about Jesus the night before the crucifixion where he sweat drops of blood due to just the emotional turmoil that's going on within him. Sometimes depression is just sadness. Sometimes it's just feeling a little, we, in the full house, we call it blech. Sometimes it's feeling that, but sometimes it's long lasting and it impacts the people around us and life isn't normal anymore. Now, this morning, this is what I want to do. I want to kind of drill down a little further. I want to ask, what causes depression? And as we look at the causes, I want to look at some really kind of simple solutions so they may not be always easy to implement, but to sort of kind of diagnose things and also to see where the resolution is in these moments. So as we talk about the causes, I want to weave the antidote in as well. And it should also be mentioned I'm using the term depression sort of widely. It could be clinical depression. It could also be just where we go through periods where life is difficult from a circumstance or we just can't seem to feel as happy as the people around us. And so let's look at the factors that lead to depression. And we should note that sometimes it's a single factor. Sometimes it is layers and multiple factors that are sort of weaved together that cause us to get to a place where we feel depressed. So what are those factors that lead to depression? Number one is this, a lack of meaningful relationships. A lack of meaningful relationship. A meaningful relationship is where we can connect with somebody at an emotional level. Now, I look at our society and I, and I find it curious because now I probably know more people than anybody could have 100 years ago. But we are incredibly, increasingly disconnected and where so many relationships are just superficial. So do you have meaningful relationships? Do you have close friends that you can do life with? Are you close to your family or a parent or a child? Do you have friends? But I think a big one is are you connected at church in the body of Christ because this is where we do life together. This is where we bear, the scripture talks about bearing one another's burdens. And the other reason we need meaningful relationships is because there are times we can't see past our own problems. 
And we can't see past our own difficulties and thinking. And it takes somebody else to come along and that seem, the problem seems obvious to them because they're an outsider looking in. But for us ourselves, we just are unable to see it. One indicator of depression is a lack of meaningful relationships. What's another cause of depression? Well, I think it's this thing. It's a lack of purpose. For people who lack purpose, it's difficult to find, you know, meaning in in life. It's difficult to not be depressed. What is there to live for? Now, here's what I think as a Christian. I think this is what Scripture teaches. That it is only God, something external, something other, something objective, that gives this life meaning and value and purpose. And when you pull God out of the picture, what is there to live for? Now, you may say, well, I'm going to accomplish something great for humanity. Well, hoorah. A uh, thousand, five thousand, ten thousand years, there will be no humanity. Nobody will know your name. The name on your building will crumble and rot. Outside of Christ, there is no meaning or purpose to be found. And I think we live in a culture that struggles against this collective nihilism. Nihilism is the idea that really, at the bottom, there is no true purpose. And true meaning. And we see incredible things happening in our society. We hear the word school shooting, it seems like, more and more. Why do these things happen? Well, I think they happen because you've got depressed, hopeless, angry, nihilistic young man. And they see that life has no meaning and they're angry. And that flows out of them. You know, for quite some time now, society has been saying there is no God. There is no God. There is no God. Christians are foolish for believing in this ancient text and following a rabbi from 2,000 years ago. There is no God. And then we want to be surprised and act appalled when people actually live that worldview out because they no longer have meaning or purpose. So the amazing news for Christians is we have a purpose. We have a reason for being here, to worship God, to enjoy him forever, both now and into eternity, to do his kingdom work, to love the people around us, to enjoy creation. All of that is in Scripture. What else is a contributing factor to depression? Well, one of them simply is, is a lack of routine. Again, I'll quote clinical psychologist Jordan Peterson here. He says, no one can live without a routine. Now, this is something in my young adult years that I struggled with. In college, my routine was all over the place. I liked to stay up late, sleep in, but some mornings I had to be up early. And so I kind of yanked my body around. And what research shows us is that if we don't have healthy eating habits, we don't take care of our bodies, we don't have some semblance of a routine, um, then that is a, a considerable factor that contributes to depression, something that's kind of easy to some degree to, to work with. What else causes or contributes to depression? One of them is a lack of, of meaningful goals. Let me ask you, Christian, are you pursuing things that are meaningful? And by meaningful, I mean they have lasting significance, that what I'm doing today echoes into eternity in some way. Now, we all have those menial daily things that we have to do. I mean, I get it. The car has to be washed. The kids have to be bathed. But even in that, you're still living out the the mandate that God has placed on us to, to, um, to, to live our lives and to take care of our family. But are we pursuing things that are meaningful Um, If you're unhealthy, are you working to change that? If you struggle relationally, are you working to get plugged in? Relationships don't just happen, you have to work at them. If God has called you down a different career path, are you pursuing that path? The amazing news is everybody can change. There's always hope for a better future. 
But sometimes we're so scared to change, even though we know this is where we need to be going, and we just sort of stay locked in. That is a contributing factor to, to depression. Here's another one. Uh, addiction. Uh, addiction and depression often go hand in hand. Now I'll give you a Bible verse, Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says this. Now he's, in the context, he's talking about money, but we're going to use the application here. He says, no man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. Now, it is impossible to fully serve the Lord and then also be a slave to some addiction as well. An addiction, Scripture says, this is always, always a sin. Well, well, why is that? Because at the heart, addiction is idolatry. And idolatry is looking to anything in creation to meet those inner needs that we have, that ache, that void, when God himself is the only salve and solution for that. And oftentimes, addiction takes something that God created healthy and good, and it turns it into something that's destructive and negative in our lives. You know, I love food, but I've also learned that too much food leads to problems in my life. Um, God created sex with a purpose, and it's meaningful, but sex outside of the right parameters is bad. Pleasure is good. You know what, church? You were made to enjoy life. Did you know that? Now, there are some Christians that I've talked to that feel like the Christian life should be some form of monkery where we don't enjoy it. But if we weren't intended to enjoy it, why did God make it so amazing? You're intended to enjoy the life that God has put you in, but pleasure only goes to a certain point. We have to keep things in context. We could look at illicit drugs or alcohol as well. Often we become addicted there and it's a means of coping. And we should know this, when it comes to our problems, everybody copes. Everybody copes with all the stuff in their suitcase, me included, in a way that is negative and against scripture and really self-destructive, or we cope in a way that God says to cope. Another cause of depression might be difficult life changes, loss of employment, death of a family member, maybe going through a divorce or moving or kids leaving the nest. And you know, the more of those you have at one time when they start to stack up on one another, research shows the the greater likelihood that we could experience a, a moment or a period of depression. Life changes make us more vulnerable um, to mismanaging our emotions. Speaking of emotions, another contributing factor to depression is our emotions. Now, what is an emotion? Well, it's something that you feel. It's the way that you feel. For example, often anxiety and depression occur together. Now, church, I want to remind you this morning, just because you feel something, does that make it so? You know what we do a lot of times? We feel a certain way, And we take that as the truth. Now, buddy, your emotions will lie to you, and they will lie to you frequently. Uh, My wife says this. She says, emotions make a lousy engine, but they make a great caboose. In In other words, emotions provide color to life, and we enjoy them. But if they are steering the ship, if we let our emotions run wild, well, we may find ourselves in a, in a difficult situation. Your emotions will get you into trouble. In the same way, another contributing cause and thing we have to think about is our thought life. You know, let me ask you, church, do, do y'all talk to yourselves? Well, I'm glad I'm the only weirdo here this morning. Um, everybody talks to themselves. Uh, it's what psychologists call your, your self-talk. I know it's a super creative title. We all talk to ourselves. We have our conversations in our mind all day long. What do I want for breakfast? Well, I could eat this, but it's really unhealthy, so maybe I better eat this. And then sometimes this one's out. We're constantly dialoguing with ourselves. But here's the problem. 
Sometimes our thoughts do not reflect the way things really are. We often think things that are not true. Sometimes we even assume things about other people. Well, so-and-so kind of looked at me funny today. I wonder what I did to make them mad. That just leads us down this trail when so-and-so just looked at us like they do every day. But our thoughts will get us into trouble. Let me share a verse with you. Jeremiah 17, 9. I love this passage. He writes, the heart is deceitful above all things. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means, first of all, contextually, it means we have this proclivity to want to justify and rationalize our sins. I want to do that, but I probably shouldn't. Well, let me think of a way, and we lie to ourselves, and we end up doing it. But I think we also do the same thing in our thought life at times as well, where we lie to ourselves. So, uh, also, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, what's the heart? It's my thoughts and my emotions. Solomon says this in Proverbs. You have to be really careful about what goes on in here. You have to make sure that everything you think and do matches up with the Bible. But sometimes our thoughts get a little out of whack. And again, friends, that's why sometimes we need to talk to somebody else. Because there are moments where I think something, and my lovely wife says, no, 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 that's not true. You're, you're, you've got some stinking thinking, so to speak, going on right now. You've got to think something differently because what you're, what you're thinking is inaccurate. I'm thankful she does that. Sometimes it's a, a counselor or a pastor that needs to tell us those things. Sometimes it's a parent or a child or a friend. And we might not always take it well. We need somebody to come alongside us because our thinking doesn't always match up to reality. And when our thinking goes one way, sometimes that is a, a precipitating factor for depression. What else can lead to depression? Now, sometimes it's your environment. You know this, that the environment you're in impacts the course of your life. That's one reason that I think it's important for you and your family to be in church because I believe this is a great environment. We were supposed to be here together. But the environments that we place ourselves in, whether that's the people that we put in our lives... I've noticed this, if you hang out with a bunch of negative people all the time, guess what you become? Negative, right? If you hang out with people that have a certain way of thinking, you tend to gravitate toward that way of thinking. You have to guard our hearts and our minds. What else is a contributing factor to depression? Well, sometimes it's this, and we're going to come back to this in just a moment and drill down deeper. But sometimes loss is what leads to depression. When we lose something important, we are more likely to be depressed. Loss of a friend, loss of a relationship, loss of our parents being together, loss of a dream, loss of a family member, whether that's death, moving, or just estrangement. Often we experience loss and it brings us into a dark place. But we'll come back and we'll look at how we deal with that in a second. The last thing I want to talk about that can lead to depression is our physiology. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I have moments where I feel depressed but I have goals, I have meaningful relationships, I'm in good environments, um, you know, I have purpose, I sleep well, I don't have any addictions. Why do I feel depressed? Well, then, that being said, I think there's a good indicator that your underlying depression is caused from something physical within your body, which means you need to go to the doctor. You know, there's this amazing sort of stigma when it comes to mental health. We get a cold, we'll go to the doctor, unless you're a man, then you write it out and want it home. Or if we are diabetic, we get insulin. We do what we need to do. But why is it when sometimes we need help mentally, we say, you know what, I'm not going to take medication. And you know the research shows this, that most people that are placed on antidepressants refuse to take them because they don't want to admit that they actually struggle with depression. If there's a problem, we should fix the problem. 
could be your physiology. But last, we have a few minutes left. I want to talk about this. How do we overcome depression? And I want to drill down here into two things, the spiritual and also dealing with loss, because I think these are two incredibly, incredibly important factors. First of all, just like with anything else, we always look to God and invite him into our problems. When we're depressed, when life isn't going right, when we're sad, when we feel hopeless or stressed or worried, often this is when God has my attention the most. Now, I've noticed with my son, sometimes I'll talk to him and he's doing something and he doesn't hear. But sometimes when it's something important, I will grab his face like this and I'll look into his eyes and I will tell him what I want to tell him. Now, sometimes our depression and our sadness and those moments of darkness, that is God reaching down, grabbing your face and saying, listen, you have not been able to get still enough for me to talk to you. Right now, you're going to listen. And he has our undivided attention. Now, certainly God is always speaking to us, but sometimes we refuse to listen. And it's those moments of difficulty where God reaches in, grabs us, and says, you're going to listen to me right now because I have something incredibly important to say. And certainly as Christians, if we neglect those spiritual disciplines of prayer and reading our Bibles, um, we do that to our own peril. Because that's how God speaks to us. That's how we cast our burdens to God. One way I have coped continually with living with two daughters that have continual um, difficulties and illness is I pray about it often. And in those moments, God meets me there. And his grace, Paul says, is sufficient. But what about dealing with loss? How do we deal with loss? I want to remind you of this, Christian. Think about this. You were never meant to deal with loss. But unfortunately, we live in a fallen and sinful world. And because of that, we deal now with loss. Everything was created good and perfect. But Adam and Eve disobeyed and what happened? Paradise was lost. And death entered the world and loss became a part of the world. So how do we deal with loss? Because that is something that will affect each and every one of us if it hasn't already multiple times. How do we deal with loss? Here's the answer to that. We grieve. We grieve. Now I know that sounds strange, but can we unpack that just a little bit together in five minutes and we're going to close out. Now I want you to see this. Depression is the way that the world deals with loss. But grief is God's way of dealing with loss. And so we must grieve our loss. So you say, well, well, what's the difference? Well, let me contrast depression and grief for you this morning. Depression keeps us locked in because depressed people don't deal with things. They don't tackle the problem. They use poor ways of dealing with the pain, whether that's substances or sex or food or whatever the case is. Depression keeps us locked in and it'll be a permanent thing if we're not careful. But grief is temporary. It's a process that you walk through. It has an end. We grieve a loss, whether that's the end of a relationship. Sometimes it's the end of a dream. Sometimes it's something precious in our lives. But depression hangs on to the heart and it doesn't let go. Depressed people stay isolated. They don't feel like being around anybody else. Sometimes you have to force yourself through it. Just like a long night, daylight won't come. You have to wade through it. Depressed people stay isolated. 
They experience their sadness alone. They don't bring other people into their problems. But here's what grief does. Grief connects people. Grief says, I want to invite you into this. I want you to sit beside me. I need to have someone to talk to, to share this loss with, to lean on. Paul writes to the church at Rome, Romans 12, 15. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. I love doing that. But it also says, mourn with those who mourn. That's what this body is for. We rejoice with one another and we mourn with one another. I'll give you an example. When uh, me and my wife first got married, 2008, we got married in July. At Thanksgiving, we got a puppy. We longed for the sound of the pitter-patter of little feet around the house, but we wanted it to be a puppy and not a baby at that point. So we got this cute little Jack Russell named Jaxie. We brought it home. I showed it to my dad. My dad thought it was the most amazing thing he'd ever seen in his life. So two days later, he drives to Dallas, and he buys a Jack Russell puppy. We've had those dogs for 14 years, and uh, my parents lost their dog over this, this past Thursday. Hallybug was her name, and it was a blow to them, and it was a blow to my kids because my, especially those girls of mine, they're super emotional. They have cried all weekend about that dog. So what did we do? We mourned together. We talked about the good things and the memories, and we worked through it with our kids, um, when we grieve, we, we cry out to God and we lean into God and we lean into other people. Now, depression says this. It says avoid emotion. Don't think about it. You'll be sad. Don't think about it. You'll get upset. Don't look at those old pictures or, or you might cry. Remember, don't remember the good times you've had or you might fall apart. Depression says avoid the emotion. Grief says embrace it. You know what? It's okay to feel sad sometimes. In fact, it's a, it's a legitimate emotion. Feel the emotions. Admit that we've lost something. Depression lives in denial. Grief says, yes, there was a loss, and I have to accept it. Grief em- embraces those painful emotions. Depression distorts reality and gives us false hope. Well, maybe things will get better if I just shove it down and don't deal with it. You know, what? A, a part of living life, especially the Christian life, is that we have to accept things as they are, not as the way they should be or the way we want them to be, the way we deal with loss is eventually we get to a place of acceptance. Now, I'll give you an ex- a silly example, a couple more thoughts, and we'll close out. Um, let's suppose my dream was to be a professional athlete for the NFL. You can laugh. And I'm 40 years old. That hasn't happened at this point in my life. Now, a reasonable person would say, yeah, give up on the, give up on the dream, Josh. But depression says, no, 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 there's still hope. Let's just keep, there, there's still hope that this is going to happen. Grief says, you know what, that's a dream that I'm going to have to say is gone. I'm going to have to mourn that loss. Grief is honest about loss. Next, depression withdraws. Depression pulls back, but grief needs. Depressed people push others away. Grieving people say, hey, come here, I can't do this alone. Whether that's talking to a pastor, a friend, somebody else that we're in a connection group with, a therapist, whatever that is, grieving people draw other people in to deal with the grief. Depression keeps people locked in the past. Grief says deal with the past, but that's live in the present, and that's look to the future. Grief says take the resources you have in the moment, lean on other people, lean on God, and claim God's amazing promises in the future, and that's deal with the past. Now, to recap, we are almost to that lunch hour, and those links, I've been smelling them all morning. So to recap, how do we deal with depression? 
Well, we don't try to deal with it using things that won't fix it, whether that's substances or isolation or ignoring the problem. Everybody copes in some way. God has called us to cope a specific way and to live honestly. We work to build meaningful relationships. That's why church is so important, I believe. We seek purpose. What are you pursuing that's meaningful? We look for goals. We find a routine. We deal with our addictions. We acknowledge that our thoughts and our emotions may not always be right. We change our environment. If the problem is physical, we deal with it like it's physical. But we deal with loss by grieving. We let God into the pain. We lean into him. We don't turn away no matter how hard it is. And God will bring us through it. Now as we close, I want to quote a passage to you. Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, but he said to me, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now here's what I know. Maybe you're at a place right now where you are just struggling, where every day is a struggle. Will you invite God into that? The Bible says this, that he binds up the broken hearted. That he binds up the brokenhearted, that he heals their wounds. And I think God desires to do that in our lives. But you know what? We actually have to take the steps that will allow him to work. And so this morning, what step perhaps is God calling you to? Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe he's calling you this morning to embrace what Christ offers, forgiveness and new life. Maybe you struggle with, you know, something that's in your suitcase and you say, you know what? It's time for me to start unpacking this. Maybe you struggle with sadness or grief or depression. And maybe today is the day where you say, you know what, I'm not going to live in denial. I'm going to lean into it as hard as this is, and I'm going to face the problem. Here's what I know. God is in our tomorrow. He's in our yesterday. He's in our day today. And he never leaves us or forsakes us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today thanking you so much for allowing us to be here in your house to be able to worship and lift up songs of praise to you, Lord, to be reminded that you are present day and night, that you're with us. And Lord, I pray that those things that sometimes that are maybe difficult to talk about or we don't want to talk about, Lord, would you make us a people that say, you know what, I want to live my life to the fullest. I want to enjoy the time that I have here. I want to live in such a way that echoes into eternity. And I don't want to drag a suitcase around with me for the rest of my life. Lord, would we give everything to you, trust you, lean into you. Remind us that you love us, God, and remind us to love the people around us. Lord, we praise you for who you are. All these things we pray in your name. Amen.